the Soviet Union has officially entered professional boxing. This is not just an exhibition fight, but this is us against them. He would like to compete against anyone who is qualified. Drago is the most perfectly trained athlete ever. Whatever he hits, he destroys. He could have stopped the fight. He could have saved his best friend's life. I'll never forget you, Paul. But now, the one thing he can't do is walk away. Has the fight date been set yet? December 25th. Where? It's in Russia. Are you nuts? Miss Balboa, when will you be going to Russia? I'm not going to Russia. I don't know what you're talking about. He's had one professional fight, and one man is dead. Tabibi, he's going to have to kill me. Why can't you change your thinking? Because I'm a fighter. You can't win! Welcome back to a brand new episode of Reconcinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And guess what? It is a new day here. It is a new year. It is 2024. That's our first episode of the year. Happy New Year, guys. How are you? Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year. Doing great. Glad to be here. I want to yell America because of the yes. movie that we're about to do but <laughs> there's well, there's plenty of room for that one <laughs> we're all dra- we're all draped in american flags right now like that's, right. that's i wore my american flag shorts no doubt <laughs> <laughs> that's disrespectful to a certain degree but if you wear it out in public it's not so do what you got to do represent america the number one country in all of north america <laughs> <laughs> Said as you're draping yourself in a flag right now. The Canadians are not happy with that. (laughs) I'm dripping with sweat covered in American flag right now. (laughs) Well, uh, as we do every year, it's time for our annual look back at the Rocky franchise. And we couldn't do it without our resident Rocky expert. And I'm not talking about Polly's robot. It's Jay Blake Fischera from Score to Death. Happy birthday, Polly. 
<laughs> Happy birthday, Polly. I love that it's like in rhythm with the music when it comes yeah. in. Oh, yeah. There's so many great things about that robot. We we could do a podcast series just on that robot. It's it's got advanced AI. It knows to clean up the whipped cream after the <laughs> after the candles are blown out. I will it, clean yeah, up it, for you. Like it what? Wants, it wants to clean up the whipped cream after. It's, <laughs> yes. it's a little creepy, really. That's more. There's a connotation desires. there. Yeah, I'll it's get like that. The, the Cherry Two Thousand or whatever yeah. that robot is. But uh, Blake, tell us what's going on with Scored to Death. What's the latest news? Well, I'm uh, still in the middle of making a documentary and uh, producing an album. Just listen, just got the test pressings as of the recording of this. But uh, by the time this drops, the record will probably be finished. No way. That's awesome. Congrats. But But not the documentary. Sure, sure. Baby steps, dude. That's excellent. Congrats. Yeah, that's that's awesome. really cool. Yeah. Can't so wait to hear it. We're keeping busy. Nice. And what, what phase is the documentary in? Can you say, or are you at a point where you can kind of say what stage you're at? Well, I think I will be probably going back to California to grab the last few interviews, uh, you know, early this year. And, um, if I can get some of these very uh, uh, lackadaisical Italians to commit to specific dates, I might try to go to Rome if I can get them to commit Whoa. to something. That to is a challenging just, thing. Here's what you <laughs> should do. You should just go to Rome and wait them out. <laughs> they got time. You just got to, yeah, you just got to show up right when that. That's got to make sure. The people I want to interview are both there at the same time because I know uh, Fabio Fritzi is probably going to be doing a tour here late winter, early spring. Uh, and now Claudio just finished one in November of 23. So Ooh. it's a matter of getting them getting them in, in town at the same time and trying to get them both to, to commit. I was telling somebody that you know, the way they are, they could totally commit. I could get there and then they could still not do it. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, well, we're always uh, excited to hear what's going on. Just definitely keep us up to date. And we'll, of course, whenever you're ready to announce anything, we will broadcast it here as well. All right. Thank to you. To the masses. We, we the, need you. the masses. As soon as you're ready for the big release, we will time it with whatever we're doing. So hopefully you come on and then we're doing something shitty like Drop Dead Fred or, you know, <laughs> whatever. And you got to talk about Drop Dead Fred. And then you but you could also promote your <laughs> promote the documentary. And both. It seems like a Shocktober promo. Let's, uh, let's just tie it yeah. in with Shocktober. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, well, you know, last year we took a look back at Rocky 3 and so some wires got crossed, unfortunately, and and. Uh, our, our legal teams were, were unable to work out a, a deal in time. So we missed you on that episode. So I'm hoping maybe, Blake, you can give us some some quick takes on uh, on Rocky three. What, what do you think about that? Uh, well, Rocky three is probably the Rocky movie I've seen the most times. Uh, it was my favorite Rocky movie for many years, probably mostly because I saw it so many times. It was on pretty heavy rotation on uh, Fox 23 in the Albany area when I was growing up. And I knew it so well that 
you know, I knew exactly where all the commercials were. So if I had to take a leak or get a drink, like I was already getting off the chair <laughs> at the end of the, of the beach scene with Adrian. And, uh, and I just, I love that movie. It's, it was, I think one, it was just on most of the time. And, uh, but the, I think, I mean, at least in where I, where I was three and four were probably the most, uh, aired Rocky movies. Um, and I'm sh- I don't know if we talked about it when we did Rocky two, but when I revisited Rocky two, I read the first Rocky, like when I was 30, that's when like the whole, everything shifted for me. Cause I hadn't seen the first Rocky since I was like 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't on a whole lot. Um, and then, I was down and out. I was 30. Rocky was 30. I was out of a job. I hadn't made a movie. I hadn't done anything. I couldn't make rent. And it was starting on Turner Classic. And I watched it. And I was like, it just changed my life. And now I watch it at least once a year. Um, But uh, it has caused me to kind of reevaluate the entire series. Um, I used to talk about them a lot with uh, some friends of mine that used to live here. Uh, one of them sadly passed away recently. His move, his favorite movie, my buddy Dave, ended up in the end, ended up being Rocky Balboa. I'm a big series. fan of that. People love it. Fan of that. I, I'm about to watch that movie after, after <laughs> about, we, about about I, to, as in have not at all yet. I've never <laughs> seen it and oh, want okay. to, and have only heard good things. And I'm like, oh shit, I gotta but watch this. Movie. His twin brother Steve's favorite rocky movie has always been four and uh since my revisiting of of the first rocky and reevaluating the whole series i've you know rocky is now unapologetically my favorite movie of all time and uh i'm gonna say the fourth one is my second favorite in the series all right all right, all right. <laughs> throwing it yes. out there. Yes. You know, the we're talking about after you know twenty years of the third <laughs> of the third one held in the number one slot, but yeah. it has now been pushed to the number three slot. Welcome, it's Rocky. Four. Right. All right, there you all go. Right. Uh, well, let's let's get into it here. So, uh, Blake, Rocky Four. When was the fir- very first time you saw it? I believe Rocky Four was the first Rocky movie I saw in the theater. And uh, as a kid, I was in Philadelphia at the time, which is probably another reason why the Rocky movies were always a big thing for me, Um, especially the first one. When I first moved from Philadelphia to Albany, I watched the first one a lot as a kid uh, because, you know, it was it's very Philadelphia heavy. Yeah. Um, And so I I saw Rocky four in Philadelphia, although, you know. I was pretty young. I have better, more clear memories of seeing the fifth one in the theater in, in Philadelphia. But, uh, I, I believe I saw the, I'm pretty sure I saw that one. And then I also remember seeing it on like its first network television, like Sunday night. And it must've been like a holiday weekend. Cause I remember me and like my mom and maybe my brother, there were some of us, and we were playing Monopoly while Rocky Four was on, which had to meant that it was like a, 
we had a, uh, there was no school or war or the next you know the next day so it had to be like veterans day or memorial yeah, like day abc <laughs> sunday night movie of the week yeah. right yeah i yeah. have very clear memories of yeah. why of having rocky four on in the background while we played it um you know circa late 80 whenever it like originally premiered uh on network probably would have been like 87 88 somewhere yeah around yeah so it was definitely before i moved the summer of 88 so it was definitely before that because i in my head it's at like the house that i lived in in philadelphia so i'm was, gonna say it was uh fourth of july weekend 87 i'm just gonna put it out there <laughs> Sounds great. We'll, we'll get the uh, fact checkers on that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Brent, what about you? When was the first time you saw Rocky for? I definitely know for a fact this was the first Rocky movie I saw in the theaters. Uh, I remember the theater. I remember who I went to go see it with. I mean, I was like seven or I was, yeah, seven, almost eight years old when this thing came out um, and saw it at the Lowe's seven out in the meadows area of houston texas and saw it with my buddy scott magoon it was awesome dude it was so cool like we got so into it that at the end like we were literally punching the back of the seats uh that were in front of us because we thought we were in the ring fighting drago it was great and it's definitely i want to say the movie that cemented kind of stallone as a as a like a pop action figure in my life for whatever till now really um even though i had seen first blood before this and and the earlier uh rocky movies i mean this is the one that really made him a superstar in my eyes and i think i think rambo first blood part two came out the summer before this movie i wouldn't have caught that at the theater because of the violence and everything, but I'm sure when it came out on video, you know, I saw it right afterwards and those two movies combined really just like, you know, sold me on, on, on Stallone. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was at the theater. Uh, I would, I don't think it was, it was probably opening weekend. Probably wow, open, nice. opening Whoa. weekend over over Thanksgiving because it came yeah. out the Wednesday of Thanksgiving weekend. I don't think we saw it Wednesday, but I'd say we probably saw it that weekend after. I'd have to. I don't know that for sure, but it would it would be pretty early on in the run. But yeah, nice. That's great, David. David, this was not a first time watch for you. Correct. We don't have to keep. We don't have to keep qualifying my watches. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, not a first time watch. But I, yeah, I don't. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I was. Just, I could see my my family, maybe like some of my family members, my older siblings, and all that, because I was the youngest of a of a, a moderately sized family. I, I just probably was not dragged to the theater to see it. But I absolutely just have endless memories of this. Seeing it on cable. TV weekends or HBO, whatever. I've seen every inch of this movie start to finish. Um, or every yard. What do you what do you what do you how do you measure a, a reel of film? Is it by foot? Is it by it's footage? Yeah. It's footage. Yeah, yeah, foot, yeah, yeah. Footage, right, right. Of course. So every foot uh, of the original. Um, not the I have not seen the sly director's cut that came out in the last 10 years or whatever the hell that was with 
changed some scenes around, but yeah, um, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, I almost it, watched it. Kind of, it kind of came and went like pretty quiet. Like it was, it was a lot of talk about it when it first came out, and then it was quiet. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's on DVD even, and it's, um, you have to just buy it on Amazon. I think is the only yeah, place you, can get you it. have to, you can, you can rent it or buy it. Rent and, it, um, yeah. and I'm curious to see it just because. Like, you know, Sly wrote and directed this, but like what 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 was the studio really preventing him from doing that he created a whole new cut? Like we'll, he needed but, one more month. We'll definitely talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, but there's apparently, you know, uh, for me in my ignorance, I, there are on uh, you know, scenes we haven't seen before and other things cut out. But um, so yeah, no, this was something I had seen. This is eight this is classic 80s stuff, and especially with like Rocky Five coming out also in the eighties, like the the newer Rockies I think were just all over the place and so that's what it was like as a child under the age of ten um, Rocky three four <laughs> Rocky three and four kind of mix Rocky two and three kind of mix um, so yeah this was uh, something I'd seen a, a bunch and uh, yeah I just uh, and and I think every time I've seen it from that young age through today I probably had different opinions every time. And uh, I have a different opinion, probably. Yeah, probably today versus the last time I had seen it. Yep, I, I hear that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, I actually, I've only seen one Rocky movie in the theater, and it's Rocky, the original Rocky, at the DGA Theater out here in LA, right at, about a year after I moved out here. That's the only Rocky movie I've seen in the theater. I've I've never seen any. I didn't see Rocky Balboa in the theater or any of the Creed movies. I uh, maybe I should, but uh, if I if I ever catch any of the other sequels, the the old two, three, four running, I will definitely go. But um, this one I saw, I remember seeing it at my friend Greg's house up the street. We were, I believe, we were snowed in when when we watched it, so it had to be it was on video, so it was ha- probably like later part of '88 by the time I actually, or not '88, uh, sorry, like '86 or something by the time I saw it. So. Uh, yeah, and and I have a real like love hate kind of relationship with this movie over my life. That I absolutely same as you guys when it came out. I was all about this movie. Three was I remember three being played on TV quite a bit. So I, I same thing Blake as you. Like I remember seeing three all the time, and I knew that so well. And we talked about it on that episode. Big Hulk Hogan fan at the time, so you know that was a real big part of watching that movie and. Uh, and it rolled sort of right into to four and and it's touching on which we'll get into the americana right like the american propaganda the gi joe-ness the superhero-ness of rocky and really changing the franchise entirely but still like it is hard to watch this movie and not get pumped up and not get super motivated the soundtrack is amazing this would be I used to, when I lived in New York, my the, the house I grew up in had like a, a really steep driveway, and whenever it snowed and there was ice on the driveway, the Rocky uh, the Rocky Four soundtrack was <laughs> what I had in my disc man in my pocket while I shoveled that driveway. And <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I have a lot of feelings about this one, and it's interesting watching it now. I hadn't seen it in so long, so uh, it was it was interesting to see how I felt about it this time. Uh, this uh, soundtrack, absolutely. Like when I was in my, I think it was late, late high school, early college. And I would still come home for the summer for college, or it was 
the summertime of my high school career, whatever that, uh, uh, this is so random, but it's like the, there was this private gym that was set up in this business, um, that my, that hadn't been open to the public yet that my, my father had a relationship with this because he did like payroll and accounting for different businesses and all that. And there was a gym there and like, you can, and he was, and I'm like trying to get shape and like, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, he made it, he sort of like, Hey, he's like, there's this gym, like you can just go and use it. It's got all the equipment. You can do whatever you want. But like one of the, there's a five player disc or five disc like CD player. And one of the, one of the discs that were just there is the Rocky four soundtrack. And I was yeah, like, it's oh. a must. and like, and I would go over and cause it was only like being used by employees before it started opening. It's like, so, so when I go, there'd be nobody there uh, often. So then I would just be like, all right, well, I'm just popping this in. And then I'm just <laughs> listening to Rocky four, like all the anthems like let's go and it's definitely on a couple spotify playlists that i have ready to go like i have a i have a pump up i have a just a pump up playlist and i have a driving playlist yeah and uh some of the songs are absolutely there uh from that. You, you don't need to work out to any other music just no. the rocky soundtracks that's all this you need a, yeah if, if that doesn't motivate you then you shouldn't be at the gym i don't remember what are you the- doing I remember in the '90s there was a CD that came out that was called I think it was called the Rocky Story. Story, yep, yeah, yeah. and it was oh. just basically Rocky Four and Gonna Fly Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was nothing from Rocky Two. It and was just I had a tiger had to be on there. But I had the tiger was probably was I was I had the tiger not on the Rocky Four soundtrack because it is in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, maybe uh, it is. That's right. Could, yeah, it probably appeared. But then like, is go for it from Rocky Five on that no, album? No. It's re- it's really <laughs> just because that's awful. You know, yeah. and all the Rocky Four songs, and then yeah. an old school uh, "Gonna Fly Now," and it, yep. that was like their Whew. addition to make it the Rocky story. It was just adding that. Yeah, and his picture on that CD is like is from Rocky Four. Like it, it has it's, to, be. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That cover, that poster, or whatever. It's the great. It's that, and and the and the final frame from the the freeze frame from the end of the movie. Like these are the greatest images of Sly <laughs> ever. Yeah. Like they're, they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, because they also because they all uh they all um kind of uh communicate movement. Like they're all very fluid kind of freeze frames and they're just perfect and it's rocky that, that and, and stallone's kind of in my opinion like his dreamiest at this part of his career like oh, he is yeah. right <laughs> yeah. he's, there's some shots where it's like damn slime this man <laughs> look at that guy yeah i mean yeah. and some of those work you know when he's working out when he's doing the montage in moscow like that's some impressive stuff that he's got going on there he's this is peak stallone yeah, he's yeah. In, he's in great shape. There's no no doubt about it. The dude's jacked, jacked, and yeah, he's he's eating a lot of lean chicken breast and taking lots of uh, you know salt baths because yeah, wow, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's going on, with this guy? Well, well coming off know, of that... three, he he had lean, he had trimmed down so much for three, yeah, because mm-hmm. to make Mister T look so much bigger that you know he had the kind of flexibility to. I mean, he's a brick shit house in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's a monster. They're the the V of their torsos, the two of them. Like like the fact that like Sly can still look intimidating against Dolph's torso. And like, holy shit. Like <laughs> these men are just going hard. And it's I, I was really surprised watching it again, just to be like, oh my God. Like they they're 
beyond superheroes, beyond, you know, just machines in this one. Well, and this watching it this time, it really, really jumped out at me. I mean, it's it's very obvious and everyone knows of it, but it really jumped out that like there, there's really two different Rockies. It's almost like you could do, you know, chronologies, almost like Halloween, the the weird Halloween franchise. You could almost do that with the Rocky movies, too, that there's one and two and then there's three and four. Like he's and he's really like quite a different person by the time Rocky three starts, which some of that is is natural in the, in the story of what would happen to this character as they rise to power and fame and how that changes you and everything. But it's really quite drastic. I mean, the body, the accent changes, the entire look, the hair, just the whole energy, you know, and he's so by this one, you know, living in that mansion and driving the Lamborghini, he's so far removed from the Rocky of one and two. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it just really jumped out. And then, of course, that changes again later on, definitely with five and with Rocky Balboa. So you could you could almost like three and four to me seem to live in this bubble of like, that's one reality, but that doesn't it doesn't really play in later, I guess, until Creed two, then it definitely does. But how's yeah. that sit with you guys? I mean, which do you prefer one Rocky, one kind of Rocky or over the other? Depends on the mood, right? If I want to watch something dramatic, that's a character driven sort of piece, then, then I'll watch one or two. But if I want to watch something that's like, get me hyped up and, and ready to, to you know battle something or or just get jazzed about something than three and four where it's at yeah i'm i'm the same way it's that these are definitely two different rockies uh although we have you know we accept that these are the same guy throughout and you know people change over 10 years uh and it's not it's not unfair to sort of like depict that i know i know blake you were just mentioning it's your favorite and there are moments where this one is is definitely my favorite, but I think because it carries such a significant amount of nostalgia for me, that's why it lives in that space in my in my head. Um, because it is very like it's very proper, you know, it's like it's propaganda propaganda, propaganda totally. heavy. Hoorah, go America, which we're is we're going there. We're going there. Totally, totally awesome and was something that was, you know, what many movies were doing in the eighties and like lots of people in America were going to see those movies. And it was like a, a, you know, very much a theme that didn't tend to, at least again, I was seven, eight years old. Like I was in full steam ahead, like hook, line and sinker. And now, you know, like, I feel like when those type of movies uh, come out, like there's a divide, like there's groups of people who love them and groups of people who, despise them and are very vocal about like their their kind of point of view on america and propaganda or propaganda in general and so like it'd be interesting for someone now who had not seen it who comes from you know more our age group like what their take would be so blake what do you think now do you have a preference between like original Rocky or the Rocky from three and four? Cause these are the only two movies we see this Rocky, the ripped jacked, you know, cut American superhero. Well, I mean, look, the first one is, you know, for decades, 
It was, you know, what's your favorite movie? Oh, I can't decide. You know, you know, like that's you can't pick your favorite. But when I hit 30 and I saw Rock again, it was like, okay, it's my favorite movie. So, uh, you know, I'll always favor the first movie. I think that movie is lightning in a bottle. There is yeah. nothing. You can't change that movie. The only thing that holds that, the only thing that, and I don't think it holds it back, but, you know, the cheapness of the budget, you end up having some technical things that could be smoothed out. But that's basically all that you could fix that movie, in my opinion. Everything's like working on all cylinders, the casting, the music, the script, everything is just perfect about that movie, in my opinion. So I'll always be partial to that one. It's interesting that like Rocky Balboa comes back and it's actually like a great double feature because he becomes the old Rocky again. Rocky five is a weird anomaly because he's, you know, he's like stupider than he is in the first movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't and wait brain, to cover that one. The brain damage really took yeah, its they toll. They walk it yeah. back so much. It's so weird. Yeah. Like it is right, right like away a, in the beginning yeah. of the movie, like immediately they, they just undo three and four. But I, you know, I guess, I don't know, as someone who just has always loved this series, has always loved Sylvester Stallone movies, uh, Sly in general. I mean, I went through, when I was in high school, I was absolutely obsessed with Sylvester Stallone movies. I would be at the microfiche, you know, like pulling up Rolling Stone <laughs> interviews <laughs> that Stallone did. Uh, I, I Getting books brought to the school library from other libraries and they end up being like 70s children's books about Stallone. uh i had the you order marketing rocky rocky two and three probably <laughs> you order you'd see in magazines like uh starlog or whatever where you could order movie magazines or poster magazines and i had like, rock rambo three i had rocky four so i had like rocky four posters on my wall when i was in high school um so I just, I've always loved it. And I've never, I mean, yes, I see it. I see what you mean, but I, I've never really thought of it too much as like two totally different Rockies. You know, at the end of the day, what the, what the move, the success of the movies relies on the fact of, of like that he's injected so much heart into the movies and into that character and into the relationship he has with Adrian and all that. And that is there in four. And uh, so, yes, it's most definitely the music video version of Rocky. Yeah. And if oh, you, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And if you watch Staying Alive, Staying Alive is like the prototype of what, like, rhythmically and stylistically he he, he ends up doing with rocky four yeah. <laughs> they're actually they're actually they're very close in the way they yeah. feel it's really uncanny um and vince DeCola, i think did the music or at least some of the music for staying alive um i know he co-wrote that song that was frank stallone's big hit from that mm -hmm. from that from staying alive uh and i and yes clearly i've always realize the cold war aspects of it but uh so the propaganda aspects that jared talked about but it's also like not rocky's motivation so it it was more apollo's motivation and sure. so it's there 
And so, but I've never personally felt that it was super blatant, but I do know that four, unfortunately, is probably why anybody under the age of 30 thinks of the, under the age of 40 thinks that the Rocky movies are a really cheesy franchise. Yeah. (laughs) And and probably don't give any of the movies, um, don't, don't give the first movie kind of the credit it deserves based on what they know about Rocky four and five and everything. That's why I think they've really latched onto Creed because they think it's, you know, they think it's this cut above this dramatic thing and they don't realize that, you know, that's how it started. I mean, Creed is just, and they, they also don't know anything really firsthand about being a a kid in the, and during the cold war, you know what I mean? Like, and, and this movie certainly plays, uh plays up that that kind of tension and rivalry between the two countries that you know as a kid in the 80s would be like you know screw russia go us you know and it's like <laughs> yeah it's i mean like, that was that was everywhere though that was like in 1985 you know we're talking peak gi joe yeah peak you know, Reagan, everything, you know, Reaganism, like Reagan is dominant everywhere. The Cold War for us, that was, I, I think, the prime of it, I, I guess you'd say. But um, so you couldn't I, you couldn't like not see the, the, the U.S. versus Russia thing, you know, everywhere. And the interesting thing about the Rocky franchise is it really evolves with the times. Right. And it's interesting to see what Stallone did and that first movie is this brilliant work of art right and it's a combination of a number of people like it always is with any great film it wasn't just alone i mean it, it was a little avildsen we got to give him a little credit <laughs> um you know the 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 cinematography the music everything coming together and then two is like okay we're gonna do that we're gonna do it again and rocky's gonna win and we'll get our we'll get our other happy ending too so we do that. But then by the time, you know, we're into the 80s with the third one, it's OK. Now we're going to make this more of a popcorn movie. Still, you know, still keep Rocky kind of connected to his roots. But it is sort of a natural evolution for that character. What would have happened? You know, playing the you know, David versus Goliath sort of and, uh, you know, the big bad monster. And then going into this fourth one, staying with the times and just really capitalizing that on that. And it's not, you're right, Blake, it's not so much Rocky, the character that is part of the America propaganda, right? Like, cause he, his, it's just revenge for him. It's, it's getting even for Apollo and still, you know, always trying to prove something to himself as well, but it's Stallone, the director <laughs> and the writer who is really the, the America propaganda side of it i mean visually the imagery the way he composes you know and all the montages just playing against you know how they're playing against each other in the in the training montage and everything it's it's really just playing i mean there's no there's never a picture we never see drago by himself you know what is drago like who is the human that is drago we never see that it's just the russian government built creating and building this monster and even his his wife, Bridget Nielsen, is uh, you know just as evil as the rest of them. That's how they're portrayed. It's one it's one sided view. So it'd be interesting. And I do think in Creed two you get a little bit more of that human side of of 
of Drago and kind of what what he's going through. So, um, yeah, so that, that's the version of this movie that we just don't get that kind of fair, even look. It's just Rocky is the good guy. He represents America. He's wearing an American flag, which is also Apollo's, you know, you know, his uh, trunks. Well, and, but, it, uh, yeah. and as a viewer, you don't you don't want it to be fair. <laughs> like yeah. you want you want Rocky oh, you to go out and kick the shit yeah. out of Drago. Like that's. Yep. He killed Apollo, dude. Like, yeah. it's time to go. Like, this needs to go down. And well, Rocky I, needs to come in, you know, kicking, yeah. kicking doors down and knocking teeth out. Even watching it this time, knowing that, knowing that that's what that, this movie is, I still fall, fall for it. <laughs> knowing what's yeah. going to happen and knowing why he did it this way, like, I still get caught up in it. And we'll talk about Apollo in a minute. But once, once he passes away... Like then you're just you're all in. I, how can you not be? I don't know, but well, go ahead, Blake. No, I was just going to say, you know, yes, uh, totally everything you're saying about Stallone doing this, but you know, the first movie is kind of loosely inspired by a fight, um, and he kind of went back to that formula for this movie, and that he was looking at. Um, the fight of Joe Lewis and I think it was Max Schmeling, who was kind of like the Nazi, uh, right? The, the Nazi sent over, and so, and I, I think Schmeling like just like kicked the crap out of Lewis the first time, but then when they hit a rematch, Lewis won, and um, so I mean, yes, I, I think, but I think he, when looking for inspiration for like what could he do for a new Rocky movie, he saw that and was like, okay, well, how can I do that today? And it was very much okay well you know russia versus america interestingly enough he also the kind of the roles were going to be reversed originally like it was it was drago who was going to be the primitive like ape <laughs> you know like neanderthal like very primitive um and rocky was going to be the future of mm of boxing and it was going to be the roles are going to be reversed until he saw Ivan until he saw Dolph Lundgren. And he was like, Oh, and he's like, no, this guy <laughs> yeah. is like yeah. the perfect human specimen. This guy is, uh, he's, he's a robot. And so then he laid into that once, once he saw what Dolph Lundgren looked like and they decided that they're going to use him. It became kind of more clear to him that it was going to be this like, Rocky was going to take you back for some eye of the tiger action uh, <laughs> to, to be fighting for the future. Um, so yes, I see, I like, I get exactly what you're saying, but I think it's interesting to look at like where, what influenced those decisions to get him to that point. Sure. Yeah. It's a, yeah, a, a I, I, I got the sense with, yeah, yeah. I got the, the sense though with this, like it's, um, <laughs> Well, it's it, 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 kind of going back a little, though. It's just like every Rocky movie just kind of, I don't know if it directly mirrors Sly's life or, you know, life in Hollywood, life as an American, life as a, a life as a success story, because each, you know, it's like every iteration. He's 30 years old when he does Rocky and, you know, becomes an Oscar winning, you know, uh, star. And then. He continues to make these movies that it's this continuation. So it's, and he wrote all of these films and like, it's how could it not represent the life he's continuing to go through? Like 
you know, he becomes this, he's this underdog guy who did porn as an actor and then becomes a Hollywood. What, what David? We don't megastar. talk about that. <laughs> he did. He was a Hollywood megastar. And then like, so he's got, he's got all the achievements you can by Rocky four. He is, he has achieved everything. And, and like, he's even like good friends with his best, with his, he's the best friend of his rival. Like, and then we saw that in Rocky three. But then, you know, so it's like that can kind of mirror his life in Hollywood, too, as it's going. I mean, we're still a, we're a couple of years away from Planet Hollywood, I think. Right. But uh, yes. <laughs> with where Sly has to compete, being this guy, it's like how many Oscars is, has Arnold ever won? Right. Like Arnold's never won an Oscar, I believe. Right. So but he's got everything he can. And so and then. To, to, to layer on top of the sort of the, you know, the American jingoism of like America's number one, uh, USSR can, you know, jump in a lake and it's the cold war continues. Uh, and he, so it's like, there's so much of Sly in every script and I, this is the movie and we're going to get into it. This is the movie that convinces me. He is a song and dance man at his core. <laughs> and he never got to explore it. He is like Hugh Jackman in a different life. <laughs> he is the guy. Like this is because he's it, it, there's there's so much like dynam dynamism. Am I saying it right? Like yep. in terms of like what the kind of projects Sly has always done, what he wants to do, once he wants to achieve, how he has to look in Hollywood, and then a family life. I mean, it just makes so much sense that Rocky Five is him doing a movie with his son, like. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't yep. do a movie with your te- like your early teenage son after all of you've succeeded? Like that is just like I can't wait to get to Rocky Five because I haven't seen it in forever. And it's probably as terrible as I remember, but it's probably so wonderful on a personal level that seeing Rocky Four where it is at this point, with with Sly being about 40 years old, achieving just about everything you can in Hollywood at that point beyond you know beyond the rewards but also with the success with the money with the stature with the fame it's just like everything about sly comes out i think every project and then he just gets to and then he has gets to have fun with the other things that aren't related to rambo or rocky and all that stuff and it's just like sly is the number one i think he's the number one actor on our show that we have featured because of all of the projects we've done and it was all by accident but slide just shows up in all the things we do on reconsideration you know For our generation yeah i mean he was yeah. he was uh he was so present and such a dominant force um yeah. going back to what you said about the song and dance man i am looking forward to cliffhanger the musical and that is gonna be <laughs> really great that's what i want to see i mean that's that's easy to do it's coming right? 2028 <laughs> here um, we go i think you're you're just piggybacking on what you said like Absolutely. Like we're paralleling. There's a parallel between Stallone and, and Rocky, right? Like the, the underdog story of the first one, then the second one, the underdog who wins. And as, as Stallone is beginning to win in Hollywood yeah. by the third movie, he's a, he's a big star, right? He's made it, he's successful. And the fourth movie, 1985, uh, a foreign rival action star mm. <laughs> like Drago is Arnold. That's yeah. it's, it's a nice parallel that I, I actually didn't really see till recently, but um, yeah. I think you can, when, now that you know it, like it's really 
clear. Like that's what he's patterning that after. I mean, he just looks like a bigger version of Arnold, a taller version of Arnold. Yeah. I don't know if Arnold could have been Drago, like, Drago. Like it's just that, 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 well, the physique of a boxer is different than a bodybuilder. Right. But, uh, yeah. It's just, but it's, but if it's perfect, but for Rocky, for Rocky and Drago, that's a perfect, uh, you know, uh, parallel for, for them. And so, oh, man, like that, I, I, it's so funny how your outlook on a film changes depending on what, what age you are. Yeah. <laughs> and we well, keep, yeah, we, you we learn keep seeing this in this movie. Yeah. And of yeah. course, yeah. So. But but Stallone is so I mean yeah I think he was the number one star at the time between Rocky three and four he released First Blood and Rambo two yeah that's so quite a run. yeah I mean that's like and then that's beginning the rest of it that that goes you know still quite a number of years of good size hits ahead of him but uh, I mean that's that's a that's a hell of a run right there and Dolph Lundgren what great casting I mean. And it just it coming to like the, the front of my mind, one of the best arch rival, you know, villain castings I've probably ever seen to find that guy who was what was he a model? He was a model right before this. He had done some modeling. He was a he was like a, a karate or kickboxing champion. Yeah, um, I think he's he in a view was to kill like you, he's one of uh yeah, he doesn't have any dialogue, but he's one of the, you know, the like the Russian, I think it's General Gogol, who's like his Russian sort of the counterpart to M. He's like one of his bodyguards. So you see him in the kind of in the on the sidelines on a couple scenes. Yeah, I want to say as, he was like a bouncer at some club, but I think he ended up meeting Grace Jones and was like her bodyguard. And then they had a relationship and that yes. led him into kind of show business is my understanding. But I didn't I'm pretty sure he was just this. genetically engineered by the Russians to play Rocky <laughs> in this movie, right? Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, he wasn't a view to kill before this, but yeah, prior to that, I think you're right. Like, it's a uh, Grace Jones discovery. Well, thank you, Grace Jones. <laughs> and that Stallone and Lundgren relationship continues to this day, I think, right? With the Expendables films and... Although I'm, I don't know what's happening with Expendables Four. I didn't, I didn't see it, and I think most it's, of the cast is not back in it. So, there's still a lot of them. Dolph is in it. Is he in? Okay, he's in four. I think also. so. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double check, but I have not seen that one. I will say that the Universal Soldier series is a really interesting one in mm-hmm. that there's that two two movies. I know they. I know Van Damme and Lundgren come back at some point, but then yeah. they come back again for two movies by the same director. And even though yeah. those movies are totally different, they are really awesome. I they are good. Yeah, <laughs> and one of them is like a hard, weird horror movie with Scott Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> it's and they are totally worth checking out. And there's like all those 50 movies Universal are related, Soldiers. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. There's like the run that was with the original run that was with Dolph Lundgren and and uh, Van Damme. Then they pivot to like Goldberg and <laughs> and some other cast of characters, and then they come back to to uh Dolph and Van Damme for I think two, I think Dolph may have been in three of them, but uh Van Damme and Dolph came back for two of them together, and those were those were good again. I, I missed a bunch in the middle, but like yeah, yeah, the totally. later ones were pretty good. Don't forget uh 
The Punisher, also. Masters of the Universe and the Punisher. Masters of the Universe. Yeah. yeah. And let's not um, forget yeah, I mean, Dol- that, like, Dolph is a chemical engineer, earned his master's, like, before <laughs> this movie. Uh, he's from Sweden. He is a karate expert. Like, he has done... He is he is a career man, just as like any of these like successful guys who go on to do amazing things like Sly or Arnold, but like you know businessman and but also personal like achievement. Like you know, Dolph is a Dolph. I don't think is his original name. I think it's Hans. Um, but like he's close know, enough. Stage, is this, yeah, yeah, it's close <laughs> enough. But like you know, he's not a guy that that messes around. And and whether despite him not being like a spotlight in Hollywood, like. He has always been sort of a fixture, especially and even in American sports. Like he was, I, I don't remember the whole thing about like he was involved with the U.S. team in some part in the night late nineties, like um, for athleticism or something. And I'm getting it wrong, but it's you know he's not just he's not just some guy that because yeah. he has what three lines in this movie <laughs> like <laughs> and uh, they're all memorable. <laughs> yeah and not or adr to hell like so uh you know uh, but it's just like you know he like the russian of uh or drago or Dolph always i think always gets sort of the short shrift and sort of the you know he's the villain of the film and i think it carries a lot beyond the film like it's because he's this just massive presence but you know he's obviously just like any character of any film the actor behind them is so much more and that includes him yeah it was really just it was really perfect casting i mean what a specimen and to see that size difference which we we did see in rocky three when rocky has the the charity fight with thunderlips like that was the first oh there is somebody like rocky's huge but there there is somebody out there who can tower over him and however you know 80 pounds heavier whatever it is um and then we see it again here with drago but um yeah, it's uh let's talk about some of the other returning characters, our our Rocky family here. So Adrian. Now, Blake, you mentioned it before. Adrian is such a dominant presence in the first three movies, especially one and two. You know, she's the love story is equal to the boxing story. Uh um, I would argue more important. More. Than the, yeah, more than right? boxing story. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, like it's his it's his love for for her that really carries everything else. In this movie, that is, to, I felt like it was such a more that that storyline was pushed way to the side. It is an element, right? And and there, you know, first she she he doesn't tell her that he's going to fight Drago. She finds out when the press is all just like sitting there waiting for her outside the house or the mansion, and. Um, and then she doesn't agree with him that like she doesn't think he should go and he goes anyway so he starts training with this kind of weight on his shoulders of this cloud of like adrian did not give me the okay to do this but then she just you know realizes that she's he's doing it anyway so she might as well support him and then she shows up and then once she gets there like okay now it's on now he can focus now his his heart is really in it but that's that's kind of it for her in this movie. There's really no, there's not there's not really an arc for her character in here. No, but she, I I would argue she plays a really significant part, even though it's you know smaller. 
Um, her, she's got a bigger part in the recut a little bit oh. and in the novelization, she has a bigger <laughs> role as well, but, uh, um, she's the one she, she's the one that sees the problem and it's not, you know, nobody, nobody wants to listen to her, but she's yeah. the one that that's true. She's, she's the voice of reason and she was right when it came to Apollo and the scene between them on the stairs is like super significant because it's the same scene as Rocky three on the beach, except for the roles are reversed. Um, and she's been right about everything so far. So the fact that she is worried and doesn't want him to do this as someone who knows the series and has been paying attention for the beginning of Rocky four, it, it should instill a lot of like worry in the audience (laughs) and certainly suspense in that, like, this might not be a good idea for, we know because he's the hero that he's at at least at that point, likely going to survive if not win the fight. But this uh, was in a time period where heroes died very often at all not not yeah. this point in the 80s i mean he kills rocky off in five and then they end up changing their mind really quick at the end yeah. but uh so but i i would argue she her her role is really significant and the fact that she joins him like yeah okay maybe you could have been handled better but yeah it's ultimately it's it's that connection like you said i mean he we we bust we we montage take a break back into montage yeah. it's like the, the, <laughs> the montages go- here let's come back to those because they're magic they're magic it's too, so many so many so so many it's a good third of the movie is montage <laughs> yeah yeah almost exactly a third um but yeah i mean yes adrian smaller part in this one than maybe arguably any of the other movies that she appears in but uh, I would argue uh, equally as important in some ways. The, do we get a staircase scene in every movie? Maybe not three. Maybe no. We do have one in three. I think there's a staircase scene, like where they're talking to each other from the top and bottom of the stairs. I feel like that is a thing in each. It's each not a Rocky movie. movie without a staircase scene. Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's the basement <laughs> one and the second yeah, one. Yeah, the basement. Yep. Yeah. The first one with the front door. He's going to yeah, his yeah. apartment or whatever. Yeah. So. I can't picture one in five or three, but I think she's not in. There's five. definitely a basement in five. So oh, there she's might be five. one. She's in, five. she's not in five. She she's in five? five. She's in five. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she yeah. is. Yeah. She's yeah. all in five. We won't talk she's about anything then. beyond. She's that. all we over don't wanna, five. <laughs> don't want to spoil anything, but, oh, um, yeah. uh, yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's talk about Apollo. Cause this, the Apollo stuff in this movie gets me every time like uh, every single time we, we gotta change sometime i don't want to change man. i like who i am i like who you are too but look at that you know you don't want to believe this but that that ain't us up there no more pal we can't do that the way we did it before we're we're, we're changing we're, we're like turning into regular people no nah, stallion baby you think you're changing but you can't change what you really are and you can forget all this money and stuff you got all around you, man, because it don't change a thing. You and me, we don't even have a choice. 
See, we're born with a killer instinct that you can't just turn off and on like some, some radio. We have to be right in the middle of the action because we're the warriors. And without some, some challenge, without some damn war to fight, then the warrior may as well be dead, Stallion. Because cause I, I, I to, you totally understand his character, that his ego, you know, as he's gotten older and his career is now gone, what does he have left? It, it's, a, it's an honest question for every athlete that they have to face at some point. You know, do, when do you give it up? When do you retire? When do you, what do you do next? And what do you have left? A lot of these people don't have anything besides football or, you know, basketball or whatever, boxing. Uh, so you he's, can he's identify. Got a couple of, he's got a couple of dogs in a pool. I mean, that seems like <laughs> yeah, a pretty yeah. good life. I was going to say, like, this is awesome. <laughs> and he should be on ESPN, yeah. like, being a commentator. Like, you know, but it's yeah. not, fine. It, for somebody like him, it's not about the money. You know, I'm sure he has probably a, all these deals and does what commercials and whatever. But, uh, you know, he doesn't. What's driving him? What's motivating him? What's his passion? And so you can see why he would take on this fight, but you know, it's a bigger, it's something a lot bigger than he expected. But that moment, you know, in the fight when he turns and he knows like, this is what, this is where he wants to be when he dies. And when he looks at his wife and just kind of like, you know, does that nod to her, oh man, that look every time gets me. I, I, I don't feel as bad about him dying due to his own hubris as I probably used to yeah. <laughs> because he died over his own hubris. <laughs> like that is true. Like that sucks. Sorry, dude. Like, but he is a fool and he's not listening to anybody or I guess he's not listening to Adrian. Cause nobody, we don't get to depict any scenes where any reason gets to come in where he can, you know, he's boisterous. He's loud. He's very Apollo in that and i don't like i think there is a disservice to apollo because he is i don't know if he's really taking any time to really look at himself look at the real any kind of realistic view of what's happening and of course but it's that it's that america like first kind of bullshit like you know the propaganda of it that people will sacrifice themselves for that and that's what he was willing to do i get it but I don't feel that bad because he was willing to do it. And he yeah. don't, he don't throw the towel. Like it's not, there was no tragedy. It's not, it's not it, it, if Rocky threw that, that towel, it wouldn't have stopped anything. It wouldn't have changed a thing. Uh, Cause that, the, you know, even the referee was seen as powerless because he tried to pull Drago off him. And the, he just like, you know, he knocked him off. Cause I'm like, Oh, why didn't Rocky do it? Like why? But then watching it, I'm like, no, there was nothing that was going to happen. R Apollo was always going to die. And, yeah. uh, you know, I feel bad that he, I guess the character died or whatever. But it's like, this is this is telegraphed from the beginning. Like, his hubris and his sort of um, boisterous sort of attitude of America's number one. And, like, I get the I get the point. Of the, I get the point of his perspective. But it's just sort of like, well, he's a fucking idiot. And then even Roddy, Rocky agreeing to this. Well, Rocky's a fucking idiot too. Like what, you know, what is he doing? Well, Rocky, Rocky called when they're watching the film of, yeah. you know, their fight, Rocky yeah. calls it out to him. Like, you're just, you're fighting yourself. Like this is you against your own ego here. Yeah. 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 And you know, Apollo either doesn't get it or just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. So he did it. And like, and you know, he had a wife. I don't like, I think he might've had kids in the first movie or something. I don't even remember yeah, if there's children there's, involved, but they don't, but that's not our, course. that's not our, creed right our creed is 
Is right. one of those characters Creed? In the in the first movie in seven, I forget. I don't know. I, I haven't seen how it plays out in in the first Creed movie. I, I don't remember how it. All... I think there's some generosity there, but it just it, yeah. it is like I don't. I mean, I do feel bad. Like, and I get that's why it's Rocky's motivation. And when I was younger, I was more about like, yeah, get revenge for Apollo. This time around, I'm like, I, I uh, <laughs> you saw what happened to Apollo. Why are you doing this, man? Like. <laughs> But it's that it is of the time and it is of like what was happening then and where like, you know, there's some sort of honor to all of this. And and I feel bad for Apollo because, yeah, he didn't have anything. He didn't. He was willing to go all the way to his heart stopping. And so he got what he he got what he asked for. It's not a tragedy. He went for it like this isn't an accident. This isn't a this isn't something that could have been prevented. He did this. And it's. It's a, it's tough to look at that, but, but that is the, sh- that is a demonstration of sort of how hubris can get in the way, uh, of, of people who may not have the talent, uh, to go the whole mile. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, like, I didn't, fe- I really didn't feel bad about Apollo this time. It didn't, it didn't work for me. It used to absolutely this time around. I, I just, I get it as a, a stepping stone for Rocky's story beyond that. I mean, I think a big part of the, a big part of the movie, is is in what Apollo says to him a lot, and that he then kind of says to Adrian, which is like, you know, we are what we are; we can't change. But you know, what oh. happens to people that don't change is like, you know, evolution. People, the people that evolve are the ones that survive, not the people that stay the same, you know? So, I mean, I think yeah. it's, it was inevitable that, that yes, he was going to die. Does Rocky evolve? I mean, yeah, like we've seen him evolve a bit through the, through the series. Uh, we could, you could argue that his going to Russia and training the way he does is some kind of change. I, I don't know if it really works as like this theme is like why Rocky survives and, and Apollo does it. But I, I think, like that idea of that we are what we are, we can't change is is ultimately what his his biggest downfall. And I and I wouldn't say that Rocky's in it for revenge. I mean, Rocky's in it for guilt. You know, like he's he he he. I mean, I, it becomes much more clear in the in the director's cut. And since that's the one I watched second, it's fresher in my mind than than the first one so it's hard to try to keep the two kind of uh separate and remember which what's in one and what's in the other but um it's also you know it takes apollo's death for rocky to kind of fulfill his destiny kind of <laughs> like it's it's the it's the inciting action that that sure that's rocky then fulfill his his role in the, in the hero's journey uh for this movie um he's got to become captain america because even rocky says it's not about even the money or the publicity or the, any of that like you know he says yeah, it doesn't even money. take he doesn't even take money right so there's no the purse right? yeah so he it's all i mean it's it because because apollo's the whole reason apollo does it is just to really just push american exceptionalism and what you know and america produces the best 
and Apollo represents the best of that. He always represented America, you know, uh, as a black man coming to be the best of that sport, you know, where, with the shorts. Well, doesn't that's, he in the, Apollo. in the first film, he comes to the ring as George Washington. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, he's yeah, always yeah, yeah. been Mr. America in a way. Yeah. And the yeah. whole thing is like 1976, the bicentennial of the country. We're going to give, you know, Mer- what America opened doors. We're going to find, you know, this Italian WAP t- and give him a chance. It's the American dream. I mean, the first movie is all about, uh, you know, the American dream and, and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. But this is like- the 80s American dream. Yeah. This is the 80s version, the, the Reagan version of it that we're seeing yeah. here. This is, you know, America is the dominant force, the, the ultimate hero. That's the picture that, you know, was painted. Everybody so, has robots. Everybody <laughs> fights Russians. Okay, well, let's talk wins. about the robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, talk about, yeah, peak American capitalism or, you know, that robot is fantastic. <laughs> It's so weird and it's a funny, it's a funny little thing for Polly, but like it, it is, it's sort of indicating like, geez, are we running out of ideas for Polly? <laughs> yeah. Polly well, I mean, and by the way, RIP Burt Young, the great, yeah. the late great Burt Young who passed uh, away a few months ago that was, uh, was in so many great movies. I mean, Chinatown, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America, The Sopranos, let's say that. Um, yeah. And obviously all the Rocky movies. So. Uh, but back, what, to, yeah. hey, back to school, you know. Weren't <laughs> <laughs> weren't robots in eighties households like? Uh, oh, like, I'm going back I to the robots one. here. What, but but wasn't that like a thing for like well-to-do families to have in at least in in TVs and movies? Like, I feel like the kid in Toy had a robot, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh screech had a robot rick, rick schroeder rick screech, schroeder yeah. was it rick schroeder from yeah, from uh, yeah Silver Spoons. i think he had yep. a robot like yeah. i think it was just kind of like a trendy thing to show that you've really made it uh, yeah. you got a mansion yeah. you got a robot you're you're made A sports car for my birthday. Not no walking trash can. Oh, come on, he looks great here. He's extremely psycho, Rocco. Well, since you don't have any friends, we thought you'd like it. Yeah, pretend you're happy. Well, you'll keep your company when you're all alone. That's a great looking guy. Please make a wish. It's creepy. That talks, that thing. Creepy? This is the greatest. I wish I had one of these when I was growing up. Come on, make a wish, like he says. I wish I wasn't in this nightmare. A very classy wish. Very nice. What do you think there? <laughs> Yeah. And there's always it's this like assumption this that it has advanced AI that like understands yeah. what you need at any given time. And, and the so robot yeah. changes sex, right? It, it starts as a male <laughs> and then it's a female suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Polly yeah. Polly reprograms it. It's gets, it's yeah. no it's no doubt weird. Um apparently <laughs> though, the backstory is that it, the robot was created by a doctor to to work with autistic children, hmm. and Stallone like in, ha- like in the movie or that's like no in, in real life, life. like a in thing. reality okay. yeah. in okay. reality it was made to work with autistic children and Stallone had an autistic child named Sergio, and who he the doctor worked with and Stallone was so impressed and and thankful for the doctor's work with his son that he decided like the payback would be. 
I'll put your robot in my movie and you can voice it in the movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, oh, wow. Was he thinking of it as advertising for this? For the... <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I can't imagine that too many households with autistic children could afford <laughs> a giant robot, even if it was unless I don't think like health insurance was going to pay for it. So <laughs> I saw $750,000. <laughs> Like I don't, I don't fully understand the, the logic of putting it in. Other than, uh, even with knowing that story, if it's true, um, other than it's it's just another part of you know by we we get it in Rocky Three where he's pulling he's going away from the neighborhood he's becoming a different person. Rocky Four, even though a lot of Rocky Three is about him going back to to the streets to, to find himself even though he goes to LA instead of Philadelphia he um for some reason and it's also i think an odd choice to have rocky 4 kind of pick up the the night of the the fight of him and apollo like it's literally the the night of rocky 3 <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the night of rocky 3 ends is when because it does seem like it's like a lot of time has passed yeah um uh, but yeah, it's just Rocky so far beyond the Rocky of the streets of Philadelphia at this point. And it's just another example of that. If in the novelization, he's helping his kid with his homework on a computer. So like Rocky's like computer savvy in the novelization yeah. for four. <laughs> <laughs> Would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> which, which is also, uh, I mean, I, he talks about how he how it frustrates him, but he has one and he uses it. So yeah. uh, I'd, I'd love to changed. see I'd love to see Rocky Balboa programming Cobalt. Uh, you <laughs> right. know, that'd be you know, MS DOS. Like, yeah, like, like, like oh wow, damn, Rocky's really good. He's really changed. Like he really knows a lot of stuff. But the, as far as Polly goes, you know, another character. There's it's not a character with a lot of range in these films, but. Here he has even less to do. He's really just got that robot, the beats with the robot, and then, you know, a couple of moments with Rocky when they're in Russia. But otherwise, he's just kind of present. Yeah, they opted for montage instead of character development for some of that's these true. Yeah, characters. But that's all right. It works. Minutes. Yeah, and just going back to Carl Weathers for a second, I just want to say, like, how great is Carl Weathers? Though he's in every one of the films, all four of them. Like he's just, just fantastic performance i think i think he's underrated I, th I think i don't think he gets the credit uh that uh i don't think he gets enough credit for his contribution to these movies no oh, i don't think bird no, young no. does either i mean no his Polly, his performance as Polly in the first one is is beautiful i mean yeah, it's, it's great it's he's really unbelievable the way he plays uh that character from him trying to you know fix his hair in a broken mirror and his yeah. introduction of that movie in the bathroom of the bar yeah to like the jealousy he feels towards his sister i mean he's just so goddamn good in that movie and it's a but shame that, that, that yeah go ahead i was gonna say and it's just a shame that he he does get less and less to do it becomes more of like the 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 comic relief his racism in the yeah. third one becomes a joke. You know, his, this one becomes even more of a joke. He ends up being like the ultimate screw up in the fifth one, which yeah. is why they have to go back <laughs> to yeah. kick it old school again. So it's a, 
it's unfortunate because he's so so good. It's it's one of the great un, under uh, appreciated cinematic uh, performances of all time, in my opinion. His his role in the first movie and that moment where he holds, you know, at the end where he holds the rope open for Adrian to sneak into the ring, like for what those two characters have gone through, their relationship and how horrible he was to her, to him giving her that moment is uh it's, it's one of my favorite moments in the series just that little thing it's so yeah. great let's talk montage shall we because <laughs> there are some amazing ones and they take up so much of the movie as we mentioned i've i i have a total of uh six montages total including credit sequences does that sound about right to you guys yeah that's kind of I didn't count them, but yeah, where I was at, I did the math too. And, uh, I have about 26 and a half minutes for total of all that. Yeah. So yeah, it's somewhere uh, right around there. Yeah. And the runtime, let's be clear the runtime of the movie is about 92 minutes with, (laughs) with all from start to from title cards to the end. Like, yeah, it's so it's about an hour of acting and there's lots of new, there's still plenty of new footage, but there's so much reused footage and even, Move, reused footage from the film in these montages. Yeah. So yeah. it is. This is a I don't know, three day shoot over. I don't know over. This <laughs> <laughs> like, is a twelve day. The shoot long over. weekend. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. I feel like they threw this thing together. Well, let's like, just let's the just flight say to I, Russia was the longest part. Yeah. <laughs> Eisenstein would have loved it. <laughs> but it's a staple. You have to have. The Rocky montage, I mean, it, it's it's a one of the key things of all the films. And this one just does it to excess. It's weird. It's a music video. I mean, it's this is yeah. like it's it's a it's like I, I like I'm glad you said it earlier, but that was that my takeaway. But I'll be honest, like, you know, watching it, I was kind of bored the entire way, but I was getting jazz for every kind of musical montage. And then the last 20 minutes sold me on Rocky for like, that was it. like it, this without that, I was bored. I was bored, 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 bored because it was like very mediocre scenes, not a ton going deep into there's enough going deep with Apollo, a little bit with Adrian, but you know, but those montages kind of like keep you kind of moving on track. And then you get the final like 20 minutes and like, okay, now here's the point of the movie is these. And, uh, but I mean, it, <laughs> there's literally a one, one minute and 18 seconds between one montage. Yeah. And then Adrian shows up, says, I'm yeah. with you. And they go yeah. to another montage. <laughs> a minute and 18. That's garbage. That is garbage. That's surrounded, <laughs> that's surrounded by eight minutes of montage. Yeah. But it's so crazy. within a 10 minute span. You get eight minutes of montage and two minutes of movie. Uh, uh, bananas, and I I love that it exists for what it is. I'm glad it exists, and I it, I mean I it's a it's it's, I mean in a way I feel like it's a testament to Stallone as a, as a director, right? I mean because it works. Like it there's is. no there's no way in hell it should work, but somehow, it 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 kind of does. It does. <laughs> well, if- if I'm a studio and you're you're coming to me and you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to give you a Rocky movie. It's going to be about 92 minutes long, so we can get a bunch of throughput at the theaters, and yeah. we are only going to have to shoot two thirds of it because yeah. the other third we've got already. It's all set. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 
let's do it. Yeah. Um, is we're we're and so you guys are smart. Uh, no things. Were all of the songs created for this film? Like, do we know this? If like the anthems that were, you know, with the hearts on fire and then all that shit and no easy way out, were they did they could not have existed before this film, right? Or did they? Does anyone know? I mean, I know Hearts and Fire probably was because it's co-written by Vince Ticola, who did the score. Yeah. Um and there's I like think... Rocky one notes like notes in it, like they're yeah, whatever sequences. Well, just around this time anyway, I mean, I, I don't know what was created for the film and what wasn't, but I know it was really popular at the time for like pop music and stuff to be like released in in movies. And that's yeah. where like a lot of the movies of the or a lot of the songs of the time were getting popular because of movie releases. So it's possible, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of. uh talent was just creating music to go to movies so that they could be the note the next number one i bought the ghostbusters 2 soundtrack and bobby brown's couple of in that movie and well it it was a it was a way to make more money it was to sell soundtracks and so uh you know that it it certainly didn't start in the 80s um but it be kind of became its own weird art form in the yeah. 80s guys like stan bush had a whole career based on transformers making, the movie <laughs> making song Brilliant and soundtrack. blood sport and kickboxer yeah. i mean doing all kinds of songs uh for movies uh i don't know about no easy way out um then what's the what what there's a survivor they did the they did eye of the tiger so eye they the may tiger. have written yeah then but they also did uh burning is it burning heart i can't burning remember heart, the name the of burning heart yep yeah so i mean they may have done that for it i don't know i mean it look at the end of the day when you look you know avilton aside for his montaging of the first movie um which is brilliant you know the two directors who are the masters of montage today are sam Raimi and sylvester stallone i mean they're just yeah. <laughs> like nobody yep. does a montage better yeah. than those two guys yeah. uh and it's still like you know i i think there are people that would argue that it's it's kind of a cheap move to like cram everything into a montage but it's still storytelling like it's still when done well it's still extremely effective that both yeah. those directors yeah. can show you that that like yeah we can speed things up and get a lot done in about you know 30 seconds here with some great music but it still works i mean it, right here is your example so and there's a reason why you listen to the soundtrack when you shoveled snow and you listen yes. to the soundtrack yeah. when you went to the I can gym like that i have muscles like that <laughs> without these Absolutely. montages you do, john you do without, <laughs> without these montages you wouldn't have the, this brilliant uh soundtrack it's Absolutely. like explore is a montage master class you guys yeah. there's just no getting around but it you could even argue that uh, the james brown song is kind i mean it's true we're not getting you know, the kind of like flashback or emotional information sure. that we're getting. But when you, and I don't want to keep on harping on like the recut because some of you guys haven't seen it, but it's the biggest flaw of the director's cut is because like he, by adding and changing the movie the way he does, it's like, he's too afraid to let go of the montages and the montages just feel like 
super crowbarred in at that point, like in, uh-huh. the, in well, my opinion. I, I want to just put a pin in the in the director's cut because I want to come back to that. And Blake, I, I would like you to just in summary kind of walk us through what some of the changes were in that, because I know some of it's very subtle and but but it's about two minutes longer. And yeah, so the uh all right so what are our, our montages we've got the rocky three recap which is eye of the tiger right in the beginning you got a couple minutes there yeah then the there. next i i don't i don't think that james brown uh living in america i wouldn't say that's a montage it, it feels more like a musical number than a it montage does, but it does yeah. kind of like takes a break from yeah, yeah. <laughs> the narrative watching. for a second just sit there it's three minutes straight of just singing and dancing. Like again, yeah. like this is just let's have a party. It's a party. It's this, and yeah. you know, and I and actually I kind of like the idea that it's very it, without that, it kind of uh doesn't elevate Apollo's sort of American hubris to the top. It's very it's actually really necessary for the story. Yeah. And like yeah. And and to have James Brown singing an anthem, hit one of his anthems for Apollo like in the film it's so perfect for that character uh you know a black artist singing for a black character like in in this like show-stopping number that you know that someone like james brown would be known for it's it's actually basically perfect like if you took all the montages out and that was the only thing in it you'd be like that's that's perfect it belongs there because the it's the only way to really make his death that juxtaposition of his death at the end like well really have impact yeah and apollo always did have a lot of pomp and circumstance and it's very typical for his character to have an over-the-top yep. you know dramatic entrance so which Absolutely. like that's like, like almost like out of wrestling which stallone clearly was a big was you know had his hand in that as well but yeah um I think my fi- I don't know I don't know which montage is my favorite, but I really love the Rocky reflecting after Apollo's passing when he's you know just driving his Lamborghini around town, no easy way out like that. That is a great. I think that's that might be my favorite montage here. And I've I've had that with my Lamborghini when I've yeah. I've been down something shitty's happened and I need to just get out. I'll drive around and uh, and and play that song and and try to find myself again i mean john i told you like yeah like like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring subs over but i'm gonna need i'm gonna need their 12 subs and you weren't you weren't ready to pay that and <laughs> you got all pissed and then you you took a drive and you kind of relaxed and yeah, you, yeah. you had to contemplate like you know what i'll bring it he's bringing sub my favorite subs i'll pay the 12 dollars. but it, yeah. you had to con you had to process it there was but no I, easy way out there was no easy way. There was no shortcut home. You better pay me my twelve dollars. Um, yeah. But I do like that because there's a, there's a nice cheat to that because as Rocky's driving, he's driving, so his eyes are veering to you know checking the traffic. He's checking the mirror. He's checking, and then every time he looks somewhere, that's when it cuts to a sequence where because he, he's it's him contemplating not he's contemplating the sport of boxing, his relationship slightly with Mickey, but his relate his marriage. And his relationship with Apollo, and then now his the villain of the film. So he it's it's a it's actually probably the best montage of uh, like sort of character like introspection uh, that you can that you can do. Where the rest the other montages are more recaps or you know just sort of like 
physical pump ups, you know, uh, yep. which are which are also awesome. <laughs> Those are all good and valid points. I I think my favorite is Hearts on Fire, though. That's the one where he's running and he gets the Russians stuck in the the like the Russian spies that are tailing him get stuck in the in the yeah, snow. Yeah, that's that's two yeah. montages ahead. That's yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so I'm in. I'm in for that one. We get our uh, our first training montage, which is a score by Vince DiCola. And that's where this is pre Adrian's arrival. So he is, he is doing it, but not as successful. He's struggling a little bit. It's not all gelling and coming together, but then we get our one minute break. We get one minute break and then we come back with montage number two with Adrian. Yeah. Hearts on fire. And that's about four and a half minutes long. (laughs) And I'm, and I, you can't tell me that like with the beat and you're just like, Come on, like that's fucking great <laughs> yeah. shit. Like, let's go. And like, that's cross cutting with Drago's training, right? So now we're seeing the two of them and the differences that Rocky is his you know, he's a man of the earth now. That he is he's picking up rocks and he's moving logs and he's running through the snow. He's climbing a goddamn mountain. And Drago <laughs> is just hooked up to machines and he's taking steroids and he's you know, his heart's monitored and everything is yeah, I mean, what he's doing is incredibly hard too. But Rocky climbed a mountain. Yeah, climbed a mountain, uh, all natural, all and, natural, uh, no and, gear, and, and it's pointing, and it's a subtle like American exceptionalism, bootstrapping yep. your way to the top, uh, which you know was a nice message in the '80s when it's like, I don't know, are the Russians gonna bomb us? Like, you know, it was that post. Cuban Missile Crisis fear that, you know, persisted through the 80s that, you know, our parents would have understood better than we did as kids. And, uh, you know, it's, it just it just hit, like, sort of the right notes uh, for what that's supposed to be. It's like, you're, he, he is representing America, even though he is roaming up a mountain in Russia, yeah. uh, substituted by uh, whatever mountain is in Vancouver, <laughs> I think is pretty yeah. cool. Or I think he, he ran up. Whistler. Uh, and, is it Whistler? And some, probably. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't and know. Some insane, insane workout maneuvers that Stallone is doing, and clearly just showing off his own uh, physical Ooh, prowess. You mean you mean you don't do sit-ups hanging from the rafters in the barn? Well, and not, well, I do. That's the only way. Sure. Yeah, you look sit-ups. great. Your V, yeah. your torso V, is just incredible, John. I mean, yeah. just it, it it it's blown away everybody. <laughs> Um, and then we get the uh, we see what one round, one full round, or was it two full rounds of the of the fight? And then we get into the 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 battle, uh, which uh, is war by Vince DiCola. Well, I think great... all of all of this. I mean, the, one of the reasons, like, yes, he takes it to excess with this movie with the amount of montages, but it all stems from the fact that it's it's like cinematic language that has been established in sure. the series, like. Yeah. Totally. There's That's two training. Confusing. There's two training montages in the first movie. I mean, there's the one where he he can't get up the stairs. Yep. Yeah. You know, without hurting. And then there's the one where he does get up the stairs. Yeah. And then there's the fight. And it is kind of this formula where you get the you get first two or three rounds of each fight, and then you get montage to like yeah. the last two yep. 
rounds of the fight. Yeah, it really is following the yeah. pattern of, of Rocky movies. When yeah. I t- when I talked to Bill Conti, he's he told I don't know if this is true, but he said that they actually shot the entire fight for Rocky. Forty five minutes of yeah, rounds. and when they screened it for like the executives, they were like, "What the hell is this?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I need like, a montage. You, like you can't, and the and like the executive was like, "Give me the first two rounds, and then give me the last two rounds, and then just montage it in the middle." Like you got to move this along. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, it's established language. So like, I think that's one of the reasons why why it, it has never. I mean, one, you, you when you watch a movie since you're a kid and you don't really think about those things, and then you just accept that the movie is the way it is. Right. Um, like, it's never really occurred to me on a conscious level that, like, yeah, this is, like, one-third montage of this movie. Like, it, <laughs> like yeah, it's, just, mean, it's never really occurred to me because I've always just gone, gone with it. Yeah, it definitely sounds like we're bagging on it here, but I, I mean... Oh, no, it, yeah. I think, I think it... To your point, like it totally works for in the in the world in which it's done, and it's done really well. And it's like, dude, every single one of them are are great. Uh, it's just when we're sitting here analyzing, looking at it, like the fact that like this movie in particular seems to have had one third of it be a montage is just yeah. kind of a funny little little. Oh yeah. Well I, well, I mean, I'll say one of the reasons why it has like leapt ahead to being like in my ranking of Rocky movies is one. I love the Vince Ticola score. Mm. I mean, I, I love Great. Bill Conti's score. I mean, Bill Conti's score is maybe my favorite score of all time. And I just, I love, I love Conti. And, uh, but I, I just, I love this. I love the score. I love Ticola's music in the montages. Uh, and I, I, and I think one of the reasons why it has j- leapt forward for me is that it is like this weird anomaly of like pop culture and, and decadence in, in cinematic filmmaking, but it's that storytelling that I think, like, I just like, I marvel over the, like the way Stallone tells this story, which is all a part, a part of like <laughs> the soundtrack and the, and the eighties music and the montage like it, it's kind of this beautiful, weird thing that, like I said, like it, on paper, this many montages should not work, but and and still have like this cohesive movie. But it, it, it somehow it does, and it drives the story, and the song choices work, and it just makes this movie like really exciting. And yeah. uh, for those reasons, uh, you know, it's it's because it's look, it's very watchable. Like I definitely oh, have like oh, a yeah. rating, you know, I've come to the, as I've gotten older, you know, if somebody says what your favorite movies are like, sure. Like I could say fucking Orpheus, you know, by Cocteau. <laughs> like I love that. I could say the 400 blows, but at the end of the day, like I'm going to watch school of rock if it's on TV, Sure. you know, like I'm going to watch Tootsie three times a year. I'm yep. going to watch, you know, like whatever, like the movies that you choose to watch over and over again, whether you want to fess up to them or not, are your favorite fucking movies. Or you yeah. watch them all the goddamn time. And I will watch Rocky Four whenever it's on. Four, four might be the most the most watchable, like because it's so very watchable. Oh, it's so easily. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
I mean, uh, you could just have it on in the background playing and like just not, you know, I mean, it's it's just a good yeah. pick me up. It's got so much energy, you know, it, like it's the most fast paced, highest energy of the entire series. I think one, I mean, one is one like the first one is just a brilliant film, but I always I kind of want to watch that all the way through. Um, and there, there are parts, it's a slower paced movie, right? Like this one is just boom, 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 partially because of the montages, but there's always something happening. I, I'm just so intrigued to see like, what would, what if Sly have been like, what if Sly was never a on camera star, but could still, but still would be in Hollywood making movies. Cause I, I feel like we would have such an eclectic, he would have such an eclectic kind of library in a sense. Cause he does. He does whatever, and I like I like that he does whatever he wants to do in front of the the camera. Like, and I've 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 espoused the 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 uh, the quality of like say Oscar starring an Oscar like that a door slamming farce set with like mobsters in New York in the fifties or whatever the hell crazy movie, and it and he just having fun like. Sly just does whatever he wants. And I just, I love that. And he's really, he's really smart and he's, he's got interesting stories to tell and he will present it in a way that worked for him. He wasn't, I think like seven montages in a movie or six, uh, isn't exact, isn't just him, you know, uh, riding the wave of, of what was going on pop culturally. I think it's like him really just leaning into what a Rocky movie is at that point in his life. And then also just like, making it cool like there's so much cool shit about it because it's it's like it's great rock and music and great imagery and and he's and there's a lot of like emotional like uh he's depicting a lot of emotional uh uh processing like through what you see in rocky or in rocky's face i I just like he'd be an interesting not that i care but i think he'd be a really interesting filmmaker if he wasn't like in front of the camera like what would he, he was just done? directing writing and directing writing and directing yeah. like i just like I, i'm curious what that would be if that was his interest but we don't see um, montages in like any of his other stuff really i mean maybe like one or something but yeah um you know but it like, really is a rocky particular device not a stallone device in general yeah, yeah i think he knows what each story and what you, what each character and what each what each film kind of requires and there's i don't yeah i, I <laughs> like there's nothing really wrong with rocky four having six montages i don't know that's exactly what it should be really yeah um so blake let's go back to the rocky versus drago the director's cut Ooh. so can you touch on what some of the changes were because not everybody is not everybody's seen it and it's not as accessible as uh the regular films are before I do that. I do just want to say, cause I think it's a very interesting, well, I got to find my notes here. I don't want to get into the really into the novelization, but I think it's interesting that there's 156 pages of the novelization and he, he gets to Russia on page 128. Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. Like how much, of it is not in russia well this script wow. is this the shooting script is about 46 pages if we're gonna buy the uh <laughs> well apparently the just the end fight had its own script that was 50 pages long oh i can believe that. like like he he scripted out just the fight that and uh That's that good. wasn't part of the the actual shooting script 
Um, okay, so what he tries to do with the director's cut is give. This uh, is in 2021, too, by the way. It's yeah, it's not, during yeah, he, like, it's during he does it like during COVID. He starts cutting it in 20 in late 2020. Um, so you know everything's kind of shut down and locked down, and there's really not much to do. And he decides that he wants to go back and recut Rocky Four, which is strange because it, it, like notoriously Rocky Five was changed so much that you would think that if he was gonna redo, he would have done like the writer's cut. Cause he didn't direct five. He would have done like a writer's cut of Rocky five and, and put and try to write that wrong of <laughs> Rocky, five. but no, he chooses to go back to Rocky four and it might be because of Creed two might've sparked yeah. an interest in Rocky, Rocky four part two. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more involving Apollo. I think that's the biggest change. He adds, he, I mean, there's a lot of subtle, I mean, there's, it's like he couldn't help himself to just change so much of the movie in terms of, he just chooses different takes than he used. And even though the scenes don't really change, he uses different takes. And in some ways I think it works. Um, it gets to the Apollo. It feels like it gets to the Apollo fight super quickly while putting in so much more Apollo footage. There's um, just you, but more... they lost all the robot stuff. So you save they... some time there. <laughs> you <laughs> did. You lose the, you, you lose the, the Rocky three fight and then him arriving for Polly's birthday. Uh, you might, you lose the birthday altogether. And I will say the other, the one other super interesting thing about the novelization is that on all Polly's birthday, he's turning 40. Oh my God. <laughs> Apollo. Polly, <laughs> Polly turns 40 in Polly turns 40 <laughs> in, in his birthday, shit. in his birthday wow. scene in the novelization. <laughs> um, but uh, for the most part, you get more of like Apollo's, thought process as to why he wants to do it it plays more into uh i think the the patriotism of it you get more of adrian's worry about it uh and other than that like he just shifts some things around moves things faster and chooses takes that kind of tell a different a slightly more a slightly different dramatic story is like really the the biggest thing i I think ultimately like a hybrid cut would be amazing i'm uh because there's stuff about the director's cut that i think works really well um the few there's more in the funeral scene for apollo that i think works really great i think the I think the beginning of the fight uh, between Rocky and Drago works great. Basically what he does is he, he plays up in the two fights. He plays up the, the hatred of, of Apollo's audience towards Drago and a lot more reaction shots of Apollo's wife to everything that's going on. And then in the Rocky fight, he plays up Russia's hatred of Rocky uh, 
of the audience. And, and so when he says to Rocky in the recut, I must break you. It has a totally different tone because he must break Rocky because of the pressure of, of, of the, the, the Russian government and the audience behind him, as opposed to like, I must break you. It's like a tough line to say, like, it kind of does read like I, I have to do it. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't have a choice in this matter. And that would play, that would play a lot. That would play a lot better with his evolution by the end where he's like, I fight for me. I'm fighting for myself. And yeah, like, so- you know, choke hold somebody in a box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. But so, yeah, like, oh. uh, I mean, ultimately, I think its biggest flaw, the remake, the recut of his biggest flaw is that the rhythms totally change. And you get to the you get to the Apollo fight so quickly. And it's so. The feeling of it is so different that when I, James Brown kicks in. It's really fucking jarring. And then the no easy way out montage feels really out of place by that point. Like it doesn't feel like a movie that needs six montages. Yeah. The the way he's recut it. And he's also changed the footage in the no easy way out montage and that it feels like way more random. Than oh, really? it does in the Rocky Four in the in the theatrical huh. cut, which is really strange to me. Um, other than that, it's a lot of just like changing the takes of things, like the press conference between uh, Rocky and Drago are is played way more in long shot uh, than in the theatrical cut. There's a just it's a lot of long shot. There's a really interesting shot um, in the fight with Apollo where the Russian diplomat or whatever pulls his puts his singer to the side and Brigitte Nelson takes a drag off of it. The take he uses in that, like because it's towards the beginning of the fight in this version, like she she there's worry on her face, huh. which which is not the take that is used. Like she's like she's without feeling throughout the yeah. in the original theatrical cut. Like there's a moment of worry in her face when she takes that drag. I heard and, he um, he cut her her involvement way down in the movie in the in the director's cut. Yeah, I don't think she goes over to Apollo's wife and says like I hope when this is over, which is weird because it would play more into I think what he's trying to do. But um, and there's just more. You, you feel like he is trying to set up. He's trying to make a uh, Drago more of a a person in yeah. it. Just by the 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 takes he's choosing to use um he does say something in the i think in the the press conference with apollo um where they ask him and he he says i have nothing to say but it's like he's been told nothing like you like the way he says it like he's not allowed to say anything um Mm -hmm. And just like certain looks and stuff. So, I mean, the biggest difference are these tiny little things that are really subtle that add a different kind of a different depth. I don't know if it's necessarily more depth, but certainly a different angle. And then he does. um, You know, he he changes some of the stuff with the in the. The stair scene with Adrian, I mean, the sentiments there. I think a lot of it's really good. 
Like, I think it's, it's this weird for me, it's this weird thing where some of the new stuff works so well, but on the whole, I don't think it works. You know what I mean? Like, I wish you could just take the stuff that works and then slot it into the, the theatrical cut. Um, and you'd have, so you, you still prefer the theatrical. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more, it's definitely worth watching. Like you definitely need to watch it. And some people may like it better. Um, the stuff that works well, I just, I think really works well. And it's just a shame that for me, it just feels, it feels a little off balance. Like it feels like it doesn't really find its footing, especially because you're comparing it to a movie that is like a tight 92 minutes that, yeah. as we were saying with all the montage and stuff, like really works at a clip. Um, the, the Duke has a, has kind of a more significant part because of the, the funeral scene. And then the scene where he, he goes up to Rocky in like the upstairs the of, of the cabin scene. Um, it's really beautiful the way it's handled in the, the recut between him and Duke that scene. So there's some really wonderful things in it. I just don't know if it works in the same way and I it works quite as well and I think it's because he's afraid to let go too much of like the montage stuff like sure. and so you end up having this thing that it kind of like slows down and then speeds up and then slows down again and yeah. then speeds up as to having something that just rhythmically feels more uh cohesive in my opinion well if he's uh, anything like george lucas you know we'll get another cut of rocky four yeah. somewhere down the well, road i would like to see <laughs> lucas's cut of rocky four <laughs> well I, I you know it, just reminded, it reminded me of like sort of the i mean it's like tony burton like just kind of he just gets those couple of lines with him i mean it's like it's just a, it's like one and a half minutes. I don't even know. And I, I was like, geez, did I even call him Duke in the movie? And then yeah. he does say, thank you, Duke, or something like that. But yeah. I, uh, in the theatrical cut, but like, I think this, I think, I think for probably decades, Rocky four was the movie Sly put on at the Christmas party or his friends come over and they're having drinks. It's like, oh, let's, let's watch Rocky four. And then he throws, then he throws this, the DVD of like, Wait, 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 though. Check these takes out. I love these. I love you gotta see this. Like, <laughs> this would be great. And then there's all his friends like, yeah, yes, yeah, like, yeah, we got it. Like, yeah, okay. And there's like, no, 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 you gotta see this. And I think this is something he's probably done for decades. He's you know, a little, <laughs> little more, a little more at ease, a little more inebriated. Like, I gotta it's like the film it's like showing your friends the your film school movies. I don't know if you guys have it's like I do, that. it's like I do with my bar mitzvah video, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and or, and your film school movies. And your film <laughs> my school film school. <laughs> But like I yeah I think like I don't know I mean uh, I, I, that's an interesting I do want to watch the Rocky yeah. versus Drake. You really guy. should because I th I think judging from like how you guys talk about the theatrical kind I think you you guys would find it really interesting. Oh. I do think that the the handling of the Apollo stuff is is probably the biggest difference. I mean I, to me I read it much more of like america like it seems like his his motivation is way more of like we got to put these russians in their place is was my reading of the way it was handled huh. and then he does weird things which i i don't know if i necessarily approve of which is he takes pieces of the the locker room scene with apollo 
cuts that locker room scene out of Apollo where they talk about the snails, you know, but he takes yeah. some of the sentiment of that. Like, oh, you, you'll understand when it's over and kind of puts that in flashback later. That is not as jarring as that he, he puts an internal voice in Rocky's head when he gets knocked down in the fight. Where it's like, oh. keep breathing, get up, you know, you got to do this, which is not part of the Rocky language. Yeah, that's yeah. not a up, thing. Up, up till that point, which like, se- seems like too much of like, hey, let's do this because we can do it now yeah. because it, it really takes you out of like the language that's had been established for the way a Rocky movie works. It's his internal monologue, like, get up, you can do this. Yeah, yeah. He's like, but breathe, it's Apollo's voice. Right? Get up. No, I, in, in that ca- no, in that case, it's Rocky's voice. I mean, you get oh, oh. Yeah. a touch of it in five where he's get up, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, like, he, like he's remembering Mickey. But in this case, it's Rocky talking to himself in his head. Uh, the, that that is really kind of it's jarring um, in that. Yeah. Point. But there's a lot of cool stuff in the fight. Like I said, the buildup. The, the beginning of the fight, the way Rocky enters, the way the crowd is, all that stuff is really cool. Um, the way he reworks it and makes the audience so much more uh, present and and important to the to the fight and the way that fighters react to the audience in both the Apollo and the Rocky fight, but like from opposite perspectives. I feel like you could juice up the from the theatrical leash. You could juice up the the, the change. Where suddenly the Russians are rooting for the underdog, and then they're just sort of rooting for both of them because it's just two men going the entire two distance. Gladiators, yeah, yeah, because yeah, like they were supporting Drago because he's representing the Soviet Union, and then you have this American underdog. This is like a, with who kind of is represented by what Apollo was delivering earlier, and it's like you know, so Rocky's the villain of these people, and then they just become about these warriors going as far as they can for 45 minutes at the yeah. end. And so, and like even Drago is not the villain at the end. Like even, even, even the start of round 15, he goes to the end, like we're going, we're going to go to the end. No yeah. matter what. And then Drago's witnessing his speech, which why could that not have been just a, couldn't Sly have just penned an article for the, for the Atlantic <laughs> about why we shouldn't be in the cold war? Like, you know, <laughs> like that's a very modern day, you know, why couldn't just Sly just written an essay? Uh, but you know, it comes down to that whole film. And I that's, that's why I think Sly is one of the most interesting filmmakers with yeah. his franchise. It's like that yeah. he's attached to. I the, just, uh, it's funny. also with that fight, there is, I think there's subtly more, um, more meaning to like when he when he hits drago and cuts him because it's like suddenly drago realized that that like he's not like this is the first time he's ever been hurt yeah (laughs) he's seen his own blood yeah (laughs) you know and and he there's just subtly more in that area of the of the fight there's just subtly more like more fear and respect for rocky all of a sudden like he sits down and is he's he's getting like yelled at by his his trainer and he's just like he's you know he's a piece of iron you know like the 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 way the lines come out and the way that he recuts it they have slightly more impact i think Mm -hmm. and so like i said there's there's a lot of really good stuff 
but the way it changes a lot of the rhythms of the film to me it just makes it feel kind of weird sometimes that's a great moment though because duke says he's not a man you cut him he's not a or he is a man he is not a machine he's a man yeah and then immediately drago's like he's like a piece of iron he's no human. <laughs> like that's yeah. great shit like they, yeah. they the, the the perspective flips all the way and suddenly drago understands his he has a real contender like it's a it's a real fight like this he could be ended and he knows that after two rounds like he could and I, I don't know. I just I love how Drago becomes a human because I think he does get like a story story wise. I think he gets a disservice throughout that. I get the idea like he's a machine and it's like this impenetrable force and he represents the USSR and the Cold War is a thing. So the propaganda of it kind of shines too just a little too much in that that, that theatrical cut and takes away the humanity a little. And then. uh but uh, I, yeah, I, 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 and I think you know, I if it wasn't the fourth Rocky movie, you know, the you don't need, like, I guess you technically don't need that many conversations with Adrian or Apollo to really get you to where everyone's mentality is. So it's it's it benefits from its legacy, you know, the, uh, as a lot of these things do, you know, uh, these sequels, and it's like there's a shorthand. You're not going to watch Rocky Four first, like you, and you right. should. You know, yeah. Well, and, and that being said, so what do you think a modern audience? We we know that our generation has an affinity for Rocky Four, for whatever reasons. You know, we grew. It's the one we grew up with. It was such a huge movie at the at the right moment, you know, or a particular time in our lives. And um, what do you think a modern audience? So coming to coming to this, even if they're watching them in order, even if they're watching one, two, three, four. What do you, how do you think they're going to feel about four today? Not having the context of having been alive when it came out. <laughs> what do you guys, what do you think? I, I think, I think a lot of modern audiences are going to have a problem with the propaganda of it, of the theatrical yeah, I, cut, at least. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I think just in general, like anything that's too heavy pro America these days kind of gets looked down upon in, in a lot of regards. And so, you know, I think for that reason, like younger audiences might not get it because they weren't around during the cold war. They exactly, weren't around yeah. in the eighties when people were, or I would say larger, the larger number of people were proud to be, you know, American and all that stuff. And nowadays, I don't know, man, like it's just seems like there's, everybody's so divisive about things and, it, it's such it a more seems complicated. To not, yeah. Yeah. It's a more complicated uh, issue now. And, and then, or at least the way it was promoted by, by Reagan was like, it's one or the other. You either love America or you hate America. There's no in between. And now it's such a, it's such a gray area. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just think there's, I remember this was, this was like a decade ago. I was, I was, doesn't matter what I was doing, but I talked to somebody had just who was younger than me. I don't know by how much, but certainly a few years younger than me had just seen first blood on TV and thought it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, I know people yeah. who've said the same. Yep. And so, I mean, for a movie that is, uh, I don't know, in my opinion, not that, uh, like missing the whole point 
of the movie and and just an, and just seeing like the the one man killing machine who doesn't really kill a lot of people in the movie uh and missing like everything else that's going on in that movie like i can't imagine i kind of said it earlier like i think yeah i think anybody under the age of 40 is going to obviously this is a broad statement and there's exceptions to every rule but mm-hmm. are going to judge the whole entire rocky series on this movie and think that the whole thing is ridiculous. (laughs) You know, the propaganda aspect of it, the montages, the music, like this eighties cheesy sheen that glistens so wonderfully in this movie (laughs) is going to just turn off the like Wes Anderson loving you know, millennials. Ooh, okay. Shots yeah. <laughs> fired. Those latte sipping, latte, latte sipping. West it's Anderson just, things. it's not, you know, no and way. he's got it. He's got his own sheen, but it's a very different style of movie that I think, uh, a lot of people are not going to connect with. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I very much agree with that. I think, you know, Rocky and Rocky Four are the standout movies in the entire franchise. Those are the ones that people go to, and Rocky Four is the the shinier thing. It's the you know, it's it's the more attractive one, the easier to watch, easier to follow. And I think you're right. I think that's something that people are gonna just that's their picture of it, whether that's true, or, you know, or it's not true. But I mean, one and two are so couldn't be more different from four, <laughs> but uh, that is the picture that's going to be painted. And I think and when I, you see I, Rocky I, in the, like in, in imagery around a lot of it is Rocky four, like is, is from that movie. And I only say what I only brought up Wes Anderson. Cause I remember having a conversation with somebody who was uh, a couple, like a generation after me at, at where I went to school. And, you know, we grew up, during like the nineties independent boom. And so at least, you know, whether you like them or not, like the Tarantino's, the Kevin Smith, the Robert Rodriguez is like, so I asked them like, well, who are the people that like the people that are in film school, like what was their reason for going to film school? And they're like, well, like Wes Anderson and stuff. So it's just, it was more of just like a generational comment than like shots fired at Wes Anderson. It was just, it was, (laughs) oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was joking. Absolutely. We hate Wes Anderson here. We are famously anti Anderson here. Um, (laughs) We are an anti Anderson podcast. Uh, (laughs) Not true. (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely not. But no, I mean, it makes sense though. It is generational. It is con- it's contextual. Uh, it's it's uh, this is uh, like like I said, I was kind of bored like throughout this movie until the end. But also, those montages kept me kind of going, and because um, the the other the because the other stuff isn't so meaty. Like, there's enough character stuff going on, but it's not. There's not a lot there, so it is. It does feel very propaganda as you're if you're really looking outside of it but i was won over i was won over just like the russian audience by the very end this movie (laughs) rules wrap them in the flag this rules uh but you know what's going but like what in like kind of going off like adding to what you're saying like i think part of its problem is that 
the meat of the movie is reliant kind of on the fact that you love these characters from seeing the first three movies, yeah, you know, like, absolutely. like yep. on its own. Yeah, there isn't a lot, but because you, this is the fourth movie that we've experienced with them, like we are bringing that baggage that. Yep. to the fourth one. So we don't need like a lot of character development because we know we've already experienced that character development. Yeah. And I was, I was still kind of mad at Polly for betraying him in Rocky one. Like, didn't he screw him over in the first movie? Right. Like, uh, with a job or something like that. Didn't Paul, wasn't he mad at Polly for something in one or two, uh, that they later Not for, I don't think for that. <laughs> what was it? I forget. Well, Polly flips out. And so the, they kind of have a, a moment because of the Thanksgiving in the first one. But yeah. then, right. he, he was a real shit. Like, yeah. When it came yeah, to he Adrian was... and the. And Rocky three is where he's like, he, he resents Rocky a lot. He breaks the, the, uh, yeah. the pinball, pinball machine yeah. and yeah. he's got a lot like, of resentment. Right yeah. And of course, Rocky's moved on and forgiven, but I was watching this. I was like, you know, Polly's kind of a shit. I'm like, you know what? He's, <laughs> he's ungrateful for his birthday present. Uh, <laughs> as I was watching it. It's a really great robot, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just love the robot that somehow. Well, has and he, he comes around, things. though. He does end up li- liking the robot, right? Like, I mean, he programs. <laughs> oh, yeah. He makes it sexy. Once he turns like it to a female and makes it sexy, he, he loves it. <laughs> he um, couldn't get as many boners with the male voice. Uh, and. <laughs> But like, yes, have two men ever been wetter in a movie uh, when Rocky and and Drago fight each other? How much sweat and wetness uh, can like can be blasting? Baby oil is <laughs> just poured over them for them. How many yeah. liquids are, are expelled from their bodies <laughs> throughout the fight? It's like, have there been more than that? I just I found that really, and then that's every Rocky movie though. You know, the actual the actual climactic fight is just but but visually, it's a soaking wet match. It's moist. <laughs> It's very funny. It's a jello. It's a jello glistening. That's <laughs> very glistening. That's why I wanted to touch it because you said that earlier. The glistening. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, they're soaked. Like, uh, anyway, Rocky for the glistening. That was the original <laughs> title. All right. Well, should we uh, should we check out how it did at the box office with a little box office glory? Yeah, let's big money. Rocky Four. The budget was twenty-eight million dollars. That's eleven million more than Rocky Three. So, uh, an in quite quite an increase there. It opened November twenty-seventh, nineteen eighty-five, at number one. One one opened one. up against Santa Claus the movie. Did Blake? Did you guys cover that on on uh, Saturday Night Movie? Sleepovers? We did do we did do Santa Claus the movies on uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleep. I'm actually Is surprised that, that this isn't. I'm actually surprised that this isn't your guys' Christmas episode. <laughs> we did uh, we did Trading Places and While You Were Sleeping this year, so we went <laughs> we went light. <laughs> is that uh, is that Dudley Moore? That Santa Claus the movie sure is. That, is. That one? Yeah, oh, man, Lithgow. So yeah. Uh, the by the by the people that made Superman the movie and that's yeah. so we, we get a lot they use a lot of the same like shots of for for the <laughs> Zod and like uh, the, the tenants like coming the in like, fly just like the, world the background backwards. the plates the background plates for all the flying or as the same background <laughs> plates for, for the for the thing and if I recall correctly it's been years but I think uh, one of the interesting facts is that at one point 
Carpenter was being considered to direct Santa Claus the movie. Oh my god! Oh my goodness, that'd be amazing. I would love Carpenter to do a family-friendly film, like just like he should have done uh, the the Kurt Russell Christmas movie, Christmas Chronicles. That would have been great. Yeah, reunion. (laughs) Uh, All right, so it earned Rocky Four earned thirty-one million dollars opening weekend. It had one hundred twenty-eight domestic, one hundred seventy-two million worldwide for a grand total of right about 300 million, which made it uh, quite a big win. Uh, It was number one at the box office for six straight weeks before finally being unseated by Out of Africa. Uh, It was the number three movie of 1985, landing right between Rambo 2 and The Color Purple. Oh, you can you can buy a lot of autistic robots with that. uh, (laughs) You sure can. You can buy a lot of them. What was number one of 85? Oh, take a wild guess, David. You back, know it. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Back to okay. the Future is correct. Yep. Uh, and this is the number one movie box office wise of the franchise. It's uh, currently still ahead of Creed three, and it's a it's a big jump up from where Rocky three was. Rocky three was about I think one hundred and twenty five total. This one's three hundred. So, well, you know, that, was that extra it, like fifty cents of box office uh, ticket price exactly. really jumped it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, totally. You can see what what the maneuvers that Stallone made and keeping it topical and the U.S. versus Russia definitely tapped into uh, society at that time with a huge jump up in the box office. So yeah, so that's Rocky Four. There's so, I mean, we can go on and on for hours. I feel like there's still so much more we could get into. I could, I could get into my love for Tony Burton on a whole separate podcast. I, I think that guy's great and a little secret gem of the franchise here, especially in this one. But um, yeah, but we have so much more to go. There's Rocky Five. There is, as we kind of alluded to, there is so much to talk about that one because the opening of that movie brings all of this momentum from three and four to a screeching halt and <laughs> takes a giant right turn of where we're going here. I love the, I do love the opening because it, it looks like you're watching an episode of like murder. She wrote or Dallas or something where the <laughs> opening credits are just over the action, which is also, it's just, it's, and it's all footage from Rocky three, but it's just like, here's this scene. And then like, it's this movie starring Sylvester Stallone and it's <laughs> Carl Weathers. And here's the executive producer. It feels like a TV intro and it's so perfect. Uh, then that gets you into that, that classic right to the freeze frame. Uh, to get you in, I, I just it, I do like that the Rocky movies want to remind you of where Rocky comes from, and uh, and where we're they going. Never, and it, never let you forget. <laughs> it's just like me. I like the Mission Impossible movies, which show very quick blips of what's what you're about to watch, and so you're gonna what's what's that computer screen? What's that? What's that action? What's that explosion? <laughs> Who's that woman? What's that? The car? All that? It's like, oh yeah, get me in. What what what's happening right now? I don't. It's it's like the trailer before the trailer uh kind of thing that you, you get sometimes it's, i'm very i'm a child and i need i need <laughs> constant visual stimulus <laughs> at all times yeah, it's true <laughs> we always have something going in your office at recon cinema studios There's... i've got I've, I've got those i've got those lights just twirling it's a disco and, ball yeah yeah absolutely so it's uh it works for me we hire somebody who just pops in your office and shines something shiny at you and <laughs> yeah. leaves when I get too a little, a little too like focused, it's like oh, here's yeah. a 
they jingle their keys and shine a light in my face (laughs) oh my all right well rocky four that's uh that's it you know i would say if you're you know if you're a fan of the movies and you haven't seen it in a while check it out again because you may have a different perspective maybe hitting you a little differently but also i think we all should as well check out the director's cut and really see what you know almost what could have been so a choose your own adventure if you will um <laughs> all right and we've got so much more stallone ahead too that's what i'm looking forward to we got a lot more we've covered him quite a bit on this show but we have so much more to go i mean assassins has to be in our future absolutely daylight come on mm-hmm. it's all cut. lock this, up with this sun yeah we're about to get into the uh Sylvester slash Sage Stallone block of our of our podcast here. Yeah, that's true. Next next year. When I was in in elementary school, still uh, Sage was all the girls could talk about (laughs) after Rocky (laughs) Five. Oh, I love Sage, and yeah. (laughs) uh, But anyway, they were the girls were a big fan. I like rock. All right. Well, Blake, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. It, it is always such a pleasure to have you here, especially when we're talking about Rocky, Rocky or John Carpenter. That's our bag. You know, they're the only, they're some of the only things I'll talk about these days. So <laughs> that's safe. I, that's safe. safe. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the, was one of the reasons why I got looked over for Rocky three, because I don't do a lot of podcasting anymore, but John now knows that. If you want me to come on, I cannot say no to a Rocky movie. Yeah, we fired that that mishap. That mishap. We've gotten rid of all the staff that was that was involved. The whole travel team has been let go, and yeah, you know, I've only I've only had the chance to talk about the first one on my own podcast. So uh, I I relish the opportunity to come and and talk about the other installments. Yeah, Um, because there is there is a lot to talk about with each of them. You know, there really there really is. Yeah. And I, I will say that, uh, you know, this is the only one of the actual Rocky movies, not the Creed movies, that Conti didn't didn't do the score for. So it's kind of an anomaly in that one. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we get a lot of very dated hip hop in the fifth one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, go for it. Come on, <laughs> let's go. But it, it just is. goes. To, but there's so much, even with the Creed movies, like the music, Conti's music is so important to the franchise that they, even when somebody else is scoring, even a Creed movie that's not even really about Rocky, like that's so important to the language of Rocky that they kind of have to go back to that well, or it doesn't. The, it's not a Rocky movie. <laughs> like there's just something about that music that works. But this is what is the franchise with Creed and all of that. Is it 10 movies at this point with Creed, Creed? 3 coming? Creed oh, 3 with, is the third. Uh, it would be, be there's nine, six, I think. six. Yeah, there's six mo- Rocky movies and then th- currently three Creed movies. Okay, so yeah. that's nice. You can almost have your own channel just playing Rocky all day. Oh, yeah. It's Definitely. Nine movies just playing, you know. And how much, how much of that is a montage? Probably one whole movie. <laughs> Oh, uh, if you, yeah, if you add up all the montages to one, oh god, is there a supercut? Shit, there, there uh, a montage, a montage supercut. There needs to be. There should be. Yeah, <laughs> what gets you pumped? <laughs> all right, guys. Well, Blake, what's next for Scored to Death? What should we uh, be looking out for? 
or where can we where can people check out you know the books the the podcast all of it uh the two score to death books score to death conversations with some of Har's greatest composers and score to death two more conversations with some of Har's greatest composers are available on amazon from other book retailers or from me directly at score to death.com uh we're we we are currently quarterly doing episodes of saturday night movie sleepovers uh so you, you get about four maybe five out of us these days um we don't what do a the, whole what was the last one we just did for halloween we did prince of darkness john carpenter and then we did kind of a bonus off the cuff episode of on uh the uh television terror episode of tales from the crypt with morton downey jr Ooh, um, that was a short one that we kind of yep. did just uh after we recorded prince of darkness we just started talking about tales from the crypt so we made that <laughs> kind of like a a little bonus episode we missed our anniversary unfortunately every september we do a big anniversary episode but i was in california and then when i got back dion had to go someplace for work and so unfortunately we missed that one, but, uh, so you could, but we have a very large, expansive, uh, uh, back catalog at Saturday night movie sleepovers, just about everywhere you find podcasts. Uh, I do, uh, still occasionally do a, a podcast show, um, for the cinematic sound radio network called score to death radio. Uh, the last two episodes actually were not horror movie related i did movie songs uh for a change and uh, i'm trying to think if anything from the rocky movies made it into those two episodes but uh there are some good songs ranging from fame to some stan bush to some barry manilow so go go listen to that it's it's cinematic sound radio network you have you've got the touch in there you've got the touches in there and i know i did the decola Frank Stallone song from Staying Alive, nice, uh, which is which is uh, very awesome. Um, but uh, I would like to get back into doing more of that show. Um, but most of it's horror related. But I'd like to get out of the horror thing for a while. I'm kind of horror music <laughs> out after <Yeah>. nine <laughs> years of focusing almost oh, my, on, all boy. of my attention to it. That makes for, no sense. The no, documentary boy. will be out. Uh, you know, it will be done hopefully sometime next year. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. That's going to be really fantastic. So we'll keep everybody uh, appraised of that situation. But um, thank you again for coming on. Uh, We'll we'll check out all things scored to death. Uh, Quick thank you to our our other friends, uh, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme music. Also check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Curtis Moore, thank you for the posters. You can check us out at reconsidimation.com for our back catalog. We're at uh, Reconsidimation Podcast on all your social media outlets except Threads. We're not there. We don't. We haven't. <laughs> we haven't gone there. We're not gonna. So, uh, but uh, yeah, thank you and have a happy New Year, everybody. This is our New Year's show. Stay tuned. We've got more exciting episodes coming up this month, and we will see you next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now.
Nossa, por aqui.